Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Jake and the Pain podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by my cousin, Max Borkov, all the way out in New Jersey. Max has been texting me since I first dropped the podcast, my first ever episode, that he had been dying to do this. So I was it was great to have him on. I think he had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. We talked for about an hour and a half about the finals, the offseason, and especially the draft. Probably split it up 45 minutes on each topic, but I thought it was really good. A lot of information, a lot of fun, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So, without anything else, here's Max. All right, well, um, welcome back to the Jake and May podcast. I'm here with my cousin Max, all the way out in Milburn, New Jersey. Um, Max was Max was one of my original fans, along with Sam, and reached out to me after my first episode. Said he'd love to come on, and figure once I figured out the phone interview thing I figured I had to give Sam the first honor because he reached out to me with the idea but I knew I had to hit up Max next we've been going back and forth with basketball stuff for the past couple of years butting heads sometimes but in the end it's always great talk so figured I'd have him on here talk a little bit of draft recap the finals and you know let him express his thoughts so first off I want to welcome Max you have anything to say right off the bat uh, I mean, if we're talking finals, that was uh, that was very disappointing. I mean, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. From my perspective, we almost had it, but it is what it is. Sweep is a sweep, and uh, I guess we're moving on to free agency. I mean, I I actually made some good money on the finals. I got some good odds with some people in my school. And before you, you ask, oh, how'd you get how'd you get odds on the Warriors? I I did. I do get some stuff right every once in a while. I bet that it was going to be a sweep before the before the series started. Wow! So made I made some good money. I had faith in the Warriors, and it was really just because like you look up and down at the Cavs. And when I had Sam on here, he was like, "Yeah, I think this series is going to go back to Golden State for sure. Maybe five, maybe six. And I I just didn't mm-hmm. I didn't see a scenario where the Cavs win a game in a forty five minute forty eight minute game. I, yeah, I, I, I didn't mean, in all honesty, Cavs should have won game one as we all know and then game three was really theirs to take and then once they didn't the life got sucked out of them there was nobody showed up game four i think i think they i think if they don't lose game one as they did i think they end up winning a game like a game three Uh uh-huh because i agree with that i don't one was just so deflating game one like yeah i mean that's just you how do you lose like that I don't understand. Uh, even I, in overtime, they went on a, Golden State went on an eleven zero run to start the quarter. Well, you want? Did you see the video where it was like it was a two minute long video and it basically was like it took you through the Cavs huddle in between the fourth end of fourth quarter and overtime and LeBron was like, "Do we have any timeouts?" And then he like once they yep. heard there was timeout, he just absolutely like uh, I can't describe yeah. it. I was, his, uh, once you saw that. Kyle Korver tried getting everyone up by clapping. Um, yeah. yeah, I saw that. that was, it's just devastating I mean, once, just to see inside the huddle. There was no leadership there. There was no one who stepped up yeah. and was like, everybody get together, heads in the game. Like, we're still going into overtime. We could still win this game. Everyone was just so deflated. It was honestly wild. Like, even Ty Lu wasn't getting everyone up. It was uh, honestly a sad sight to see. Well, I think I feel like that kind of sums up the Cavs in a nutshell. In a nutshell. Like, that, those whole two minutes – it's like LeBron and someone tweeted at me and they're like, 
they they don't they don't move on offense they don't give lebron any help everything has to go through him and i was like well yeah that's how the team is built like any yeah. time they don't have they a, like a spot up shooter they turn that's the second time lebron has done that i'm not hit first of all before i before we do this podcast i need to establish anyone I appreciate LeBron's greatness, and just because I don't think he's better than Jordan, and just because I take jabs at what he does off the court and what he do, does to his teammates doesn't mean I don't appreciate his greatness. So please don't come at me and say that you wouldn't expect. I hear that way too much. I hear that way too much. But I mean, you said it. You turned. We talked about this right after the finals. He turned Chris Bosh into a spot up shooter in Miami. He turned Kevin Love into a spot up shooter in is in when he got to Cleveland. He shipped out Kyrie, but it's not all LeBron. which. I, I think I think the Kevin Love and Bosch is all LeBron, honestly, because it's like LeBron. Ne- but there were LeBron's no game there was like, like Kevin Love at the elbow. I read this whole Zach Lowe article where it's like Kevin Love at the elbow. They would give the ball in Minnesota to Kevin Love at the elbow, mm-hmm. and he could pass out of it. He would go to the rim. He would even pull up. But it doesn't matter. Sometimes they would even do this little give and go where he would start at the elbow, give it to the point guard, and then fall right behind and hit a three. They, well, there was just well, none of that. Yeah. People. It was all just through LeBron. But is that coaching? Is well, that's, that LeBron? That's I, that's the point. I mean, you they run that. Yeah, they run that exact same set. And Jeff Van Gundy's like obsessed with it. And they run it for LeBron every single time. Yeah. Like they run that exact same set. They give it to LeBron. And I think Kevin Love would thrive off that set. He can make. He's a very smart decision maker. He makes good passes. He's looking to set up his teammates. And he's a capable jump shooter. We know that more than capable jump shooter. But. He literally, he's taking like just as many threes, if not more threes per game than twos. And that's just not the Kevin Love we see. Like Kevin Love, I remember you used to be like surprised if he didn't go for at least 20, 25 and 15 a night when he was in Minnesota. Yeah. And now, and now it's just, it's not even the same dude. Like not even close. Yeah, not at all. Not at I all. Mean, it's very then, strange to see the way Cleveland was operating. And then he, he run, like there's no Isaiah Thomas. And yeah, I get it's hard to play with Isaiah Thomas, but like you, when when LeBron gets tired, because we do know LeBron does get tired, it, not often, mm-hmm. but he does. You got to get a guy like Isaiah Thomas, and at least he can create for himself, create for teammates. Like Jordan Clarkson was the worst player to step foot on the court. I mean, he was yeah, awful. Rodney Hood. Rodney Hood has one move, and it worked for about like eight minutes. Which, by the way, he might get a contract from those eight minutes that he played. <laughs> When he like he when he when he drove right, and might have played himself right back into some money. I, I think I, I mean I think there are enough teams that are desperate enough for that uh, right hand going back to left spin move that'll work like for about ten games of the season before teams realize wait that's Rodney's only move let me stay on that left hand and then he goes <laughs> back to what he was. But it's just I like have a question for you. What? I'm all ears. How many games do you think last year's Cleveland team takes out of this Warriors team in the finals? Last year's Cleveland team. So they just bring back the, the exact same team? The same team. They have Kyrie, Kevin Love, Star Tristan. Um, Is it just a completely new series? You're saying like out of the four games, given how the Warriors played, how many does this year's Cavs team take? Given how the Warriors played. I think, uh, I think they definitely win game three. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I don't know if they win game one, and here's why: I don't think LeBron does what he does in game one, or feels the feels the need to do what he does in game one if they have Kyrie and those dudes. So I feel I like game that. one, like I feel like game one as a whole would be so different. But given how the Warriors played in game three, I think the Cavs run them off the floor. 
I mean, that's mm-hmm. unexcusable how Curry goes 0 for 9, and it's, like, still a tie game. And then he's able to hit a 3 that's, like, the dagger. Like, Curry's right. first made 3 on his 10th attempt should never be the dagger. Like, that, if, you, no, if you're that, not. if you get to that point, you have no business in the finals. I, I, I think they take game 3. I mean, what do you think? There you go. It's hard to say, especially with game one, because you don't know if the I think game one's so hard. It's so hard. But, I mean, at the same time, I think game three, game three was really one that I thought they should have had. Kevin Durant pulled up from yeah. like 30 feet. That was, was absolutely. That was so cold, dude. That was so cold. And then he basically just stared down like every LeBron fan in the entire world. And it's like, yeah, I just did that to you again in game three. Yep. This one that was uh, this one this one could have been worse. I think this one was worse than the one last year. Yeah, it's uh, being swept is inexcusable. I'm talking about the KD shot. I think the KD oh, the shot KD this shot. Oh. the KD shot this year was worse as a as like a LeBron guy as it for LeBron fans and Cleveland fans than it was last year. Um yeah, cuz this one sucked the entire life out of the stadium. They were like it was kind of a close game. They kind of pulled in LeBron in that three. Mm-hmm. LeBron's the three was starting to pull away. LeBron left. hit that three, and we're like, "All right, now it's a ball game again." And then Durant was mm-hmm. like, "No, it's not." Yeah, no. KD was incredible, incredible in that game. I haven't seen LeBron's performance like in game one was the best single hand like in game single game performance I ever seen. But like KD's mm-hmm. game three performance was the best scoring output I've ever seen. And like, I don't care that he scored less points than LeBron. Like the ways he was putting the ball in the bucket, the difficulty of the shots, like the one shot where he hit over Kevin Love, where he basically adjusted his shot, like mm-hmm. to wait till Kevin Love got past him. And then Kevin Love just like put his hands on his head. Like, oh my God, what more can I do? Like that was incredible. The three was incredible. I mean, I don't know. what three how points can you on 23 shots. That's that's ridiculous. I think we was maybe six of eight from th- six of nine from three. Like you mm-hmm. shouldn't be able to do that at six eleven. You should not be able to do that. And that's where it's like, I don't know. How does do you look at a guy like KD jumping ship to Golden State and be like, in twenty years from now, people aren't going to appreciate what he did, what he did because he jumped ship, not jump ship, but joined that team. I don't think people are going to look at it and say. They're not going to discredit the championship. It's just, I don't even know how to explain it. It's just, listen, the only way that this could ever happen in the entire league was this one year where there was a crazy, crazy jump in the salary cap. Mm-hmm. It could yeah. only happen once ever. So it's not like there's, this is ever going to happen again. It's not like the NBA really has to worry about having four people like this ever again. It's just, yeah, this is a crazy dynasty. I don't see them losing for another three years. And I don't see them losing yeah. until they get broken up. Yeah, I, I somebody leave, agree. I don't think they're losing. Who do you think is going to be the first one to leave? I was talking about this the other day. I think Draymond's an easy scapegoat. I could see something happening where Draymond takes all the blame. Um, yeah. And he's the first one out. Because he just can't score the ball anymore. That makes sense. That makes sense. I could also see Durant leaving if... Um, Seattle gets a team. Durant tries to like revive his image. He goes to Seattle, something like that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I, I you told that to me, and I thought that was like really intriguing. But like, I feel like KD. Not only I feel like he doesn't even give a shit about like what people think about him anymore. 
I feel like he's no, having he so much fun. And I feel like he's having so much fun playing basketball in Golden State that he, like, he that he wouldn't leave unless, like, Golden State wasn't Golden State anymore. So I don't think he leaves unless someone else leaves. Yeah, personally. I really think Draymond's the first one out. I, I That makes sense. I think I think Clay signs his extension this yeah, summer. Yeah, for sure. The thing about Clay is that every time somebody says something about him, it's always like Clay is the best teammate. Clay is the best guy to have around. We all mm-hmm. love Clay. I've never heard anything negative about Clay. Everyone's always so. Everybody loves Clay. Yeah, and I mean Clay, like Clay thrives in this system. Like he really yeah, does. I love Clay. I'm a big Clay fan. Like, who knows? I mean, his it's a little suspect how he how much he can create a shot off more than one dribble. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So. But he thrives in the system. He he gets his catch and shoot threes. He moves off the ball so well. He deserves all the credit in the world. And he's their best defender. But he guards the other team's best guard. Other when Katie's yeah. more by the rim now, he fits perfectly. No, and so you don't. You said you don't see them losing for the next three years. Is it, who's? You don't think they lose until they get broken up? Like you think? I think ball. I think I Boston mean, LeBron, has a chance to beat them next year. I, I think Boston I does do, but I think. There's some weird stuff going on in Boston. I think they don't know what to do about Kyrie. Kyrie has a year yeah. left on his deal. He hasn't signed anything left. Um, I definitely think they possibly try and go after LeBron. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Boston's very, very, very interesting to me. I don't know what's going Here's, on there. I told this to someone today, and I was like, if this makes any sense, I said, I think there's a better chance that LeBron and Kyrie won't be playing together next year than that LeBron won't be playing in Boston. Hmm. Because, like, I think if LeBron goes to Boston, Kyrie's out. No chance they stay together. Yeah. But, I agree. And I think, I think there's a better chance of Kyrie, like, bolting and LeBron coming in than LeBron... I'm trying to figure out how to put this. I'm trying to figure out how to put this. If LeBron goes... You know what I'm saying, right? Like, but I don't think Boston's number one... If I were if I were a betting man, I don't think Boston's number one. I think Philly's number one. I really think. One. I don't know. I I really do. I can't see I him think in Fi- Philly. I think the whole thing. He's a, he's. It's all about his family. It's all about everything. The one place that really intrigues me, and I know there's been so much drama there, and in a weird season, and they never have this drama. I. The one place that really intrigues me is San Antonio. If LeBron sits yeah. down with Kawhi. And they have a good conversation. He can get something out of Kawhi, get Kawhi to stay. Him, Kawhi, and Lamarcus in the pop system. I mean, they don't beat Golden State. Else. They don't beat Golden State. Really? No way. No way. Why? No chance. Uh, they, you don't have no one. They have no one on Curry and Clay's level at the guard spot. LeBron, they all play like so. Is Kawhi your two? LeBron then? Would basically play the point. Okay, so you're so okay. And then you play DeJounte Murray alongside. I don't know. Yeah. I just think, I don't think anyone's beating the, war- I just can't see anyone beating the Warriors. And the Spurs were so mediocre see- this year. I, I I just don't see Kawhi going back there. That's my thing. Like, I can't even picture that. I can't even picture I it. don't know. I think, I, it, that was the weirdest story of the entire season to me. There was a hundred story. There was a hundred percent. story. There were a lot of weird stories, but the Kawhi one is, definitely by far the strangest especially to me i don't care how hurt you are you're quote rehabbing in new york 
And then the I dude shows it. up at a Dodgers game. You're not, and the dude shows up at a Dodgers, up at a Dodgers game. game. And he's not even Horrible. sitting on the sidelines with his team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But the, the worst part is, the weirdest part is that's so not him. Like, that's so not Kawhi. So for him think? to do Apparently, that. we have no idea who he is. I don't know. I can't. I don't know. I guess. I just think there's always a lack of communication between front office and the player. But, like, right now, but in between them two, it's absolutely horrible. Yeah, Awful. I mean. They're not even on the same. They're not even the same book, let alone the same page. So, I think LeBron is a choice to make. If I were to put my top three, I'm gonna ask for your top three, and then we'll move on from mm-hmm. LeBron. I th- I think, in most likely, at least likely, I would go Philly, L.A. Even though it kills me to say that because it doesn't make any sense for him to go there. Philly, L.A., and then just because I want him to hear so bad, and I think it's the best fit for him, New Orleans. I think he fits oh, best in New Orleans. That would be great. Do they even have the money really, for that, though? I think if they get let Boogie go and don't deal and just move on from the Boogie trade. I, I never liked that trade to begin with, and they just move on from that and try to go mm-hmm. after him. That's I mean, very interesting. That's where I like him. I think he has a better chance to win there than he does L.A., San Antonio, all those Western teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if I were to give a top three, I think the L.A. thing has a lot of traction. Yeah, the L.A. thing is real. I can't count out the Cavs. I think it's such a family decision. He loves Cleveland. Mm -hmm. I know the roster is a little messed up, and he definitely just lost, but, I mean, he got there. Um, You can't count the Cavs out, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And then... My third team. I mean, I I can't find a way for him to get to Houston. I can't put Houston. It just doesn't. I, I, I yeah. I don't like the Houston thing at all. There's I don't, he doesn't fit there. He doesn't even fit there. They had a good thing going for them this year. They don't need to ruin that. Not ruin that because he's the greatest player on the planet. But yeah, I know. I see what you're saying. Say. He he changes when you if you bring him in, he changes your system. Correct. He, that that's point blank. No, I mean I think it's I. I've had such a change of heart in the past week, week and a half with him staying in Cleveland. After he won the East, I was like, oh, he's staying in Cleveland. Like, how could he leave, right? It's like, how could he leave that? But then watching him just, like, really not give a shit in game four, I was like, dude, he's he's one foot out the door. He, he has to be. Yeah, seeing him checked out was not a good sign. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I can't count him out. He still has Bronny and Bryce and the whole family there, and he loves he does, Cleveland. But- he honestly looked like um he looked like Aiton during the uh, Buffalo game in the NCAA tournament where you're like, what is he even doing out there? To me, like that's what he, he looked like. It's like, I know I'm moving on and just drag me off this court. Yeah, I definitely got a little bit of that. I, I see what you're saying there. I mean, that was just like, eh, it is what it is though. He, well, we're done talking about LeBron. We could go in circles about LeBron. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I did. Want, I did. I did want to. That's kind of ironic because I do have one more LeBron thing to talk about, and that is right, that is the cast thing. And I texted you right when I saw this, and I'm glad yeah. we waited. I'm glad we waited a day to talk about it because I have. We like you said, we have more info. And yesterday, I would have just been in rage about it. Now I could kind of. I've seen pictures. I get the whole thing. My point of view on it hasn't changed. But for those of you who didn't see, LeBron showed up in a cast 
to the Game 4 press conference after hiding it from the media and the Warriors the entire series. And it was from punching a blackboard or a whiteboard, whatever it is, after Game 1 because he was so upset about the calls. Yes, he brought up the calls again. Um, we do know which call he is talking about. But anyways, I wanted your opinion on this as a LeBron fan. Yeah, I mean, I love LeBron. I think it's a bad look. I think it's bad. The, the full cast was on immediately. Like mm -hmm. it was, it was a self. He did it to himself. Like I, yeah. I thought it was a bad look. I did not like it at all. There's no need um, for an excuse. There is no excuse. You got swept. You busted your hand mm -hmm. because you punched a whiteboard. Like that's all on you. And honestly, that story probably should not have gotten out. Yeah. I, I couldn't agree more completely. And the one issue I have with it, I, that he did that and then his press conference in a, during the practice before game four. And he said, look at their starting five and look at our starting five. They got KD. They got Steph. They got two MVPs. They got Draymond. They got Calais, the best, second best shooter on the planet. Like why? For what? No, like, and here's my point. It's like, no one's saying LeBron didn't play well. So for him to point that out to the media, like, okay, yeah, anyone with a brain and eyes can see that they're much better than you. Why are you telling me this? And it's like, right. no one said LeBron didn't play well in the series. I'm not any more impressed by his game that he did that with a broken hand. I'm kind of like, dude, how stupid are you that you're literally your team's only player and you have, and you're stupid enough to punch a blackboard over a charge call. Yeah. Amar Stoudemire yeah. did it against him. I know. Yeah. I mean, I, like, exactly. How stupid are you? And it's like, if you don't wear that cast, no one finds about you punching a blackboard, but you're right. willing to let that stupid story get out because you feel like, oh, now everyone's going to be like, damn, LeBron did that with a broken hand when no one was even questioning him to begin with. So it's, it's mm -hmm. like literally like a sixth grader, like having being insecure about something. That's like kind of what he is. And it was like weird and like stupid to see him be like that after he arguably had one of the best individual playoff runs in NBA history. So for him to like it was pull weird. that out, it made no sense. It didn't, it doesn't like fit. The most insecure person on the court was still Kevin Durant. I don't think so. I really don't think yeah, so. It was definitely Kevin Love, by the way. I get what you're saying oh, about really? KD, but it was definitely Kevin Love. Yeah, that's actually a good call. But you know K how like, I feel about KD. I just think KD gave up on what, everyone thought of him so long ago and i just think he's having so much fun playing basketball with those dudes and he's just an absolute killer that it's like if you don't want to like me anymore you don't want to think my championships are real fine i, I don't care i don't I, care I, about liking him as much i just care about what he did to the sport i know but i was i was thinking about what you said you're like oh he ruined you he texted me like you he ruined the sport you ruined the league like and I think that argument's valid after last year. They rolled through the playoffs 16-1 and and made a joke of the finals. This year, they made a joke of the finals, but it wasn't because, like, I think it was more because the East was so shitty this year. Like, with LeBron, th those Cavs weren't the best the East had to offer. And the Rockets took them to seven. They were down three to two. So I feel like they didn't, he didn't ruin the association, I feel like, because they were tested during the playoffs. I feel like healthy Celtics would have taken him to five, maybe six. And LeBron, do you think there was was there ever a doubt in your mind during that Rocket series, like Warriors may lose? Yeah, yeah, dude, honestly, I'm telling you, really? I honestly, I do, I really did, because I looked at them and it's like you didn't even recognize them at certain points. It's like you had your gut when they feeling. Were doing all that ice 
That was that was it's bad when Durant to watch. Does that ball. I know, but I, I think it's it, it's as much on them as it is on Durant because it's Steph bringing up the ball and giving it to KD every time. Like KD, you don't pass the ball to KD there; he moves, right? Like I don't, yeah. I didn't like, I I hated KD for doing that, and I love KD. It's like you're six eleven, and he and he cut he cut that in the finals. He backed him down and made harder shots but they were closer shots so mm-hmm. it kind of happened think, in game one with Durant it did happen in game one it did happen in game one stop completely in game two because I think he I think that hit him and it was like wow we almost just lost we almost just lost to that team and I went eight of 22 like I'm really gonna watch tape cut that and I'm gonna be like he was so efficient in game two 10 of 14 from the field um mm-hmm. he really cut it out and made it a priority to be more efficient game three he killed and Game four, triple-double. I was looking, I mean, LeBron's stats, LeBron in the finals, he averaged like 30, he averaged 34.5 points, 10 assists, and 8.5 rebounds. KD averaged 29, 10 boards, 7.5 assists, and 2.5 blocks. So stats, I mean, weren't that different. Weren't that different, mm-hmm. and KD was really efficient. So I think KD is a firm grip on the second best player in the world. Love him or hate him, I think that's, he made that clear. Would yeah, you agree, agree with, with that? You agree with that? Yeah. Um, but I think he does a great job of letting the game come to him, but still being dominant. And with the thing he said, where it's like it's easier to be that guy on a bad team rather than to be a good player and still stand out on a really good team. I really think that's true. Like seen by mm-hmm. LeBron. Not not that LeBron's job is easy, but LeBron can do whatever whatever he wants, and there's no wrong. And no one's going to question him. But KD, like, KD can't really do whatever he wants because there's ramifications for taking a contested mid-range when you have Steph and Clay. Correct, which is why I want to see it. I think it also has to do with coaching. I think when LeBron was under Spolstra, who I think is an incredible coach, I love He's Spolstra. He's a really good coach. He's a really good coach, yeah. Which is why I would love to see LeBron have a real coach again, not just, like, mm-hmm. a figurehead kind of Tyloo. Uh, I want someone to, like, sit down and, like, yell at LeBron, like, when he's doing too much isolation like uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think someone like pop which is why i really wanted him to go there i want lebron to get coached again especially in the end of his career I, I i like that and completely agree with that and then one last thing about the finals um charles barkley i don't know if you saw what he said when he's like lebron james created this super team thing and now it came back to bite him and i kind of mm-hmm. agree with that honestly i mean you look at what the celtics did they traded for Ray Allen and Garnett, and they formed that in a front office. And yeah, and the LeBron did not. And like you said, I mean, that only happens because there was a large, huge bump up in the salary cap, and that's only why it even was allowed for Katie to go to Golden State. And I'm not comparing the two. I'm not saying they're exactly the same, but the concept of joining with other great players to win championships is one that LeBron did technically start. He joined D-Wade in his prime and brought Bosh along with him. So what do you think about that? I think LeBron, when he left the first time, when he left Cleveland, I think that he, I think he gets too much for it. I think that because he was never surrounded with anybody, there was never any time where LeBron, like who was the best player LeBron played with? Oh no, like that Anton seems hard. Jameson, yeah, oh, no, that Williams, seems hard. They surrounded with no one. The Dreamers, Elgowskis, like he wasn't playing with anybody. Yeah, so no, for him bad. to want to go out and play with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, like I don't fault him for that. He'd never played with anyone like nearly as good as them. 
No, I completely agree, and I don't fault him for that. But when he goes back to Cleveland, this is what I this is what I think is where it gets interesting because that's a normal thing, right? You've never played with anyone good your entire career. He's about seven years into the league, and you you've gotten swept in the finals. You can't crack through to the finals again, and then you go there and you see a great opportunity with D Wade, who you're friends with, and then Chris Bosh is a was a free agent, and you make that happen. But then where it gets interesting is like. They lose in five to the Spurs and Kawhi. It looks like Kawhi is like that next big thing, which he does become despite this year. Mm -hmm. And he sees the end of the road for Bosch. He sees Wade kind of getting old. And then back home in Cleveland, they've got two number one picks. And he's like, "Eh, I'm going to come home now, actually. So that's where I think it's like the LeBron has no help narrative this year is really interesting. And then LeBron has to face... X amount of all-stars is really interesting because he did kind of create that concept. Well, I think now when the, when people say LeBron has no help, I think that he should be taking a little more fault for it from the standpoint of mm-hmm. he doesn't sign these long-term deals. He's like sitting there with this like yeah. two-year deal. Think about the end yep. of last year or two years. Two-year deal. What on earth are you supposed to do? You have to max Tristan Thompson because you want him there because not you want him there because LeBron wants him there. And mm-hmm. he, LeBron puts his team in these salary cap situations where they're great. It's good for winning your championships for like a year or two, but then long term, it's awful for your team. And then what do you do? You're just probably going to leave. So I think from that standpoint, it doesn't get spoken enough about how LeBron just doesn't commit long term. So they have to go all in immediately. And then he just yeah. leaves, when, leaves the team a mess. I was I was going to bring that up next, and I tweeted that in the middle of the fourth quarter. Like, yeah, the front office, you can say that the Cavs sucks, but, like, what do you want them to do? LeBron completely leaves their hands tied, and he did to Miami, too. He's like, okay, Miami, I'm a free agent, and you want me to stay? Draft Shabazz Napier. Like, okay, <laughs> fine. They drafted Shabazz Napier with, like, the 23rd, with, like, a 20 in the 20s, and LeBron and Shabazz mm-hmm. never played in, on the Heat together. Like, that's just the type of stuff that I get really annoyed with LeBron about because it's like, and LeBron fans fail to understand. It's like, if he would just commit to them, they could build their team around him. Like they can't even, they don't even know who they're going to draft in this draft because it changes drastically with, are you starting a post Bron era? Are you adding a piece to stay relevant? I, I don't, right. To me, I that think was it's going to ask you, who do you think they should take? I think it's a coincidence that they need, I think they need the same guy that would to jumpstart the post Braun era. And I think they need the same guy to stay relevant. I think it's Trey Young if he's there. I don't think he's there, but I think if he is, mm-hmm. they'd be stupid to pass up on him. And I think they should really even maybe look about trading up to get ahead of the Magic and those teams and the Bulls because I think they're going to take him. Trey Young, unbelievable season at Oklahoma. I've loved him. And he put on 11 pounds of muscle. He looks strong. And the dude just doesn't. He's lights out shooter. And I think they need him to stay relevant because he's their playmaker and he provides their scoring. Take some weight off LeBron's shoulders. And I also think they could use him to jumpstart the post-Bron era because I think he could be a superstar. So I think techn- it's like a coincidence that he's the same guy. But I think they still have their hands tied if a guy like Trey is not there. I think... You hit the nail on the coffin. I think that's spot on. I think Trey Young is the perfect pick for them. If not Trey, I like Michael Porter there. It's another high risk, high reward potential. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Someone who can I love, fill in. I love Michael Porter. I know you love Michael Porter too. 
Yeah, I do. I'm very high on Michael Porter. Very. So, if not Trey and LeBron is staying, who do you think they should get? Because I feel like you need a piece who could come in and play now. You don't have time for a project. No, you do not have time for a project. So, if not Trey, I think Michael Porter's a good option. <laughs> Who's off the board? I'm curious, who do you um, who do we have off the board then? Because I'm good. is Wendell yeah, Carter gone? Yeah, I'm a. All right, so let's say Trey's off the board. I all right, we're gonna say it goes like this. It goes one. You have Aiton. Two. We're gonna because now it's Bagley. Three. We're gonna go Jaron Jackson. Four. We're gonna go. Um, four is Doncic. Five is Bamba. Six is Wendell Carter. Seven, six and seven. Wendell Carter, Trey Young, and then Michael Porter's still there at eight. Michael Porter, Macau Bridges, Miles Bridges, Colin Sexton, those guys. I also like Macau Bridges to play there. I think he's I, someone who could immediately start playing. I and I think that's so. It, it's so, and this is the problem because it's like I love Macau Bridges, and I'm praying that the Knicks take him if he's there because I think he could have played in any of these Western Conference, Eastern Conference Final series right now. Like I, and I think Correct. he could have made an impact on the finals, but. He can defend, he can shoot the three. He's not great enough yet at creating his own shot as of now, but that's yeah. fine. They don't need him to do that beside LeBron. I don't know. But and if LeBron's not there, then great. He has time to develop. I think I think if LeBron's not there, McAlbridge isn't a great pick for them because he's ready to play right now, and he'll get that experience, but it's not dumb experience because he won't be a deer in headlights. But I think if LeBron is there, McAlbridge is, is great but he's just another one of your role players who can't really create. And I think it's LeBron being a playmaker again. And I think if LeBron stays, they really might need to look up into trading that pick because Colin's not a playmaker and you're real. You're only two trading up. You got to trade up because you're only two playmakers, elite playmakers in this top heavy draft are Doncic and Trey. Yeah. So they have, they have a really interesting draft segueing into the draft. I have, a couple draft questions for you. I'm not big enough yet where I can get like a mailbag of questions and I can't just like rattle off 10 questions from fans, uh, but in due time, in due time, we'll get it. But of course, so I came up with a couple questions, text them to you yesterday, let you brainstorm. So first off the best prospect in the draft, overall best prospect. You have the number one pick. Who are you taking? Is it um, Phoenix or I have the number one pick? Um, you have the number different. one pick. I think you have the number one pick. Let's just say you have the number one pick. I think my answer doesn't change. I still take eight, and I think this dude is an absolute beast. He's yeah. is, I've never seen anyone this big at this age. Apparently, mm. he's nineteen years old. I'll give him <laughs> allegedly, allegedly, I, allegedly. I mean, he. I've never seen. If he looks like this at nineteen, what is he going to look like at twenty-seven? Yeah, no, I, I think he's it's one of those freaky. where he's just not going to look any different over the years. I, he can't. He can't look any older and then still be physically fit to play basketball. He can't do I that. I mean, it's wild. The only thing that scares me with him is his defense. I don't, I don't understand how somebody of that size and is that athletic is just not a rim protector. I don't, yeah. it just I doesn't, I, I, I don't get it. It's the same thing with Bagley. Now, is that something you could teach? Is that something he can learn? I don't know. But, I mean, somebody of this with this wingspan, I, I just yeah. don't get it. I think his offensive game is 
off the charts. His he's he's a jumper. He can create his own shot. He can work in the post. He's unbelievable. Yeah, I but mean, his defense I, kind of scares. Aiden, Aiden, there's no perfect prospect, and that's why Aiden's no. my overall best prospect too. I mean, dude is built like a beast. He's athletic. Dude has a 40 plus inch vertical. I think. I don't think he jumped at the combine. He posted a video from back, from his Arizona pro day before the season, and he was like seven feet, seven foot one with a 40 plus inch vertical. Dude's at it like he's not even built like a human, and he can shoot the three. He's yeah, soft touch. Um, it. I think you can't go wrong with this dude, and that's why he's my best prospect. Um, I don't know if he's gonna end up having the best career because I think there are people in this draft with higher ceilings than him. But his floor is way too high to pass up as the number one guy, so he's my best prospect Correct. as well. And then segueing into the, the best career, and this is not, and this is like who, who is the most superstar potential in this draft? I think that's Doncic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. I I've watched a lot of him on YouTube because I mean it's really the only place you could watch. Yeah, he's very interesting. He's so he's very big, but he's kind of quick. He has like a he does this little step back that kind of reminds his me of Harden. I was watching his so game good. against Porzingis. Oh my god, his step back! I was back watching is his so game good. against Porzingis, and mm-hmm. he was unbelievable. Yeah, he was I've, hitting threes. He was getting to the rim. He was passing. I think this guy could be so good. I think he needs to fall into the right spot. Yeah, I completely he agree. Needs to become, he needs to be on the right situation. I don't know why the Kings don't want him. Why, like, why not? I think they're a little bit scared that he doesn't want them. And yeah. he just says, you know what? Going back for another year. I don't want to be in Sacramento. And then you lose your number two pick. And then what do you say to your fan base? Like, how, where do you go from there? So I think that's, uh, they're a little bit scared of that. So because of that, they're leaking out all the stuff that they want. Yeah. Bagley or they want somebody else yeah they pulled they pulled the trump where it's like okay you don't want us well guess what you're not even invited to the party so i think <laughs> i think that's fair honestly as a, as a he said it right after the lottery he's like yeah i might actually stay in europe now that i see the order of the draft and i think right. like i think you can't afford a ricky rubio where it's like the dude disappears for a couple of years and then like miraculously comes back especially when you're the kings but it does suck because like I think he would feed so well off of guys like Buddy Heald and Fox. And I think you add him, like, you have a good future there. I mean, obviously, it's, it's a project yeah. takes time, but I feel like he fits there, which kind of sucks. I mean, I think Bagley will be good there, too. But my guy with the best pro- – I have two. Two best prospect, mm-hmm. best career superstar guys. Um, Barring injury, for me, it's Michael Porter. I mean, there's just dudes, like – especially the high school, the amount of high school basketball I watch, like there are dudes you just see and you're like that he's an NBA superstar. You saw it with Jason Tatum, despite him not even being number one in his class. Like you just see it with these guys and Michael Porter, he elevates over the defense. He scores at all three levels. He's athletic. He has great touch. He'll dunk on you. He'll shoot over you. Catch, shoot off the catch, off the pull up. I mean, the dude does everything. So for me, if he can stay healthy, which I think he can because if you've, I don't know if you've seen interviews where, and his dad was talking about it. He's like, I've, my back's been hurting me since the summer of like 2015. I've never felt right. I took a bad fall and I've never felt a hundred percent, even through a McDonald's my senior year. And he's like, now I'm kind of like, and it sounds so stupid because it goes against like every front office's like principles. He like feels relieved to have got actually like gotten hurt and been diagnosed with something. 
so we could get the surgery and go through the rehab process. So I think he's going to feel I good. And, yeah. And I think he's going to be a superstar. But if he does get injured, it is risky. I'm going with Trey. I mean, I've loved Trey since I saw him play with Michael Porter when they're both juniors in high school. I think his IQ is off the charts. You can't teach that. His shot-making ability, his range, the quick release. And I think he fits right in today's NBA. Uh, the one thing I'm a little bit worried about with Trey is because is his finishing. I think everyone compares him to Steph, but they don't realize how good Steph is finishing around the rim. I think that's definitely something he'll have to learn and adapt to, but I think he has all the tools to be a superstar. Yeah, I uh, I think you can't go wrong with Trey. I, I love him. I really think he's going to yeah. be incredible. Mm-hmm. He's then, such a good shooter. I mean, th- these teams yeah, in college. He's, but, he's an unreal shooter. He's people asked, at him. And he would, yeah, no. He would throw three people at him. He had no idea what to do. Like, it, I don't fault him for that. I think he's going to be don't so fault good. Him. And it got to the point where Big 12 coaches were like, wait, Trey is literally the only player on this team. Like, if we triple team him, we're going to beat them. That's where right. it got to. Um, now those are kind of the easier questions getting into the deeper dive questions, your most underrated player in the draft. My most underrated player in the draft. This is a hard question because I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of weird talent in this draft, but if I had to give one most underrated player in the draft, you can give two. I have two. I I can't decide on one. Okay, well, somebody who I think keeps on just getting overlooked for... I don't know if he's underrated for this, but he just keeps on getting overlooked, and I love this dude. I watched him play in person. I think he's unreal, and now people are saying he could fall out of the lottery. I love him. I love Miles Bridges. I think he's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I like that. Uh, I think Mike, I think the 76ers, if Mikal Bridges is off the board, must take Miles Bridges. I think he elevates them and can, like, play right away he fits he's athletic he defends he gets after it i love that i completely agree with that i watched him play in person he played at maryland i was sitting pretty close and he was going off he had like 25 points he was hitting threes he was spinning he was fadeaways he looked incredible to me i saw him this was two years ago and i was like this dude is going to be a Mm -hmm. stud and then he stayed for another year i I like that he stayed i like that he stayed because he got a better jump shot and honestly like consistency for some reason is so overlooked in the college and in the draft process because it's like oh you have the tools yeah you only played 10 good games out of your 30 but like yeah we we saw those tools that we have where it's like miles bridges literally despite a couple games here and there showed you what he can do for two straight seasons so that's i think it helped his case he's probably in the same draft spot where he would have been last year but i think if i'm in the front office i feel more comfortable taking him yeah, I love him. I think he's going to be great. I think he should be a top 10 pick. And I have two, so I have two underrated guys, and for different reasons. My first dude, which I'm really high on, I think he's a lottery talent, and I think it's a crime that guys like Lonnie Walker and Zaire Smith might be taking over him, is DiVincenzo. And I've been watching Villanova, oh, the, I've been watching Villanova the entire season. I caught some of their games. I watched them last year, and... This dude is just like, he does it all, and he was so consistent. He always, he had multiple threes in basically every single game, and he has the NBA athleticism. He's big, he's built, he gets after it on defense, and the dude just does it all. Like, and he did it, and he's a winner. 
and he redshirted during their first national championship, but he's been a part of the culture. He knows winning culture and there just aren't many question marks with him. Like you, I tried, you, you don't, you watch his tape and there's nothing he can't do. He attacks the rim, he finishes and he's just a pure sniper. So I really like him. I think he's a lottery talent, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I love DiVincenzo. I think what he did in the national championship was out of his mind. He's smart. He's a great jump shot. I love him. Yeah. I mean, as a Michigan fan watching that national championship live, I didn't realize like the magnitude of the full game he put together. Like the, it literally showed the entire arsenal in that one game. I was literally just too busy, Mm -hmm. like crying that this dude just was just torching us. Like it wasn't Brunson. It wasn't Bridges. Like, the guy came off the bench and just lit it up. Like from the first second he got in the game, drilled a three right off the bench. You're like, this, it's this dude's night and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. So my second guy, and this is my second guy. It's interesting because it's Gary Tra- um, Duke, um, Duke, um, Duke. And Gary, Gary, love your Duke. Yeah, I do love my Duke, but I think, and the Gary Trent situation is so interesting because it's like, I've been a fan and this is why I love Trey. It's like, I think you got to go to a team and a college where like you fit in the system. Right. And you can't just go and team up with like your boys and say, yeah, yeah, let's go win a national championship at Duke. Let's go win a national championship at Kentucky. Like that doesn't happen. They don't win. And there's a reason for that. It's because none of them really fit in the system and know how to play together. And I think Correct. Gary Trent was just a product of that. He didn't fit in the Duke system. He wasn't, he didn't showcase what he could do. And as I've seen him play in high school, I've seen him play in AU. I know what he can do. He can create his own shot. He bullies dudes in the mid range and they turn him into a spot up shooter because that's what they needed out of him. And if you're showcasing NBA executives, what you can do in a 30 game sample size, he got caught up in the wrong system, but I think he's a crazy talent. And if he lands a high character, dude, if he lands in the right system, I think he'll stick in the league for a long time. Yeah, I uh, I could see what you're saying, how if he falls into the right system, he could be great. Would you take him over Grayson? Um, That's interesting. It's really interesting. It depends who I'm, if what team I'm, t- what team I'm with. If I'm, if I'm gold, if I'm golden state with a 30, the better prospect. I think Gary's the better prospect because he has a higher ceiling. But if I'm drafting okay. like, if I'm Golden State, I'm taking Grace now, no doubt. I think Grace, I think Golden State should take Grace now, and if he's there with the thirtieth pick, a hundred percent. I think he brings shooting, toughness, depth off the bench, and I think he would thrive there. And they, they, I, not that they need him, but they could use a guy like that. But yeah. I think for those dudes, like for those guys, like Atlanta has two picks in the first round. A couple other teams have a couple picks in the first round. I think he's a guy that. He's really talented, and you take a chance on him, figure out how to use him, give him his freedom that he didn't have. I think he could make a splash in the league, honestly. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. So, contradicting the underrated, we have overrated, and I can't wait to talk about this because I've felt so strongly about it. I haven't figured out. I've read about. I've writ, written about it a little bit, but not really. Um, who is your most overrated player in this draft? I, I'm going to tell you right now, I do not like Kevin Knox. Oh, that's interesting. I was I like that because I, I was hoping you weren't going to say Bamba and Jaron Jackson because we'll get into that later. But that Kevin Knox is interesting. Mm-hmm. Kevin Knox is interesting. Why? I don't know Explain. what position he plays. I don't 
I don't I, I don't think he's a yeah. small forward. I think he's more of a four, and he's undersized. It's hard to play an undersized four. Oh, you think he's a four? I, 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 I think so. I don't think he's a wing. He's I mean, he's 6'9", but I think he plays more of the power forward position. Yeah. I, I, I don't think I, – I, I just – I watched him play at Kentucky. I was not impressed. I like Gildas Alexander much better than him. I just mm-hmm. – I was I did not like him Knox. I don't think I, he's going to be great. I give Knox a little bit of latitude, and here's why. Because he is 6'9", and the problem with this Kentucky team is before Gildas Alexander really came on, like, everyone knew they had an underwhelming recruiting class coming in, and Knox, like – they thrusted him into that leading score role. Everyone, every offensive play ran through him, and they really had no other shooters or scores. Like PJ, PJ Washington can't really score the ball. Quade was eh during the year, and these dudes, like he was literally their only scorer. So I give him some latitude because he made it work. Um, I think he could, he's a nice mid range jumper. He's and he showed flashes like that West Virginia game. He went off, but I think inconsistency, like yeah. guys like Lonnie Walker. And I 100% agree with what you're saying. Like, we're just, I feel like Kevin Knox is one of those guys where it's like, if high school ratings didn't exist, he would not be where he was in the draft process right now, which I think is. I, I agree with that. I think ESPN had him going 10 or 11. I think that's too high for him. Yeah. I, I think when you're drafting there, you need to be sure that you're getting value out of someone. You can't just swing and miss. And I think that's questionable what you're going to get out of Knox. I respect that. But yeah, my guy, they have to, mm-hmm, let's hear it. I cannot, I can't wait to say this. I was scrolling through Twitter and Reed, Reed was saying, he's like, oh, the Nets are going to trade up. Like, I think they should look into this dude, Zaire Smith. And I'm like, oh my God, no. Like, no, no shot. Really? No I've shot. I've so much hype. I've watched so many, I watched so much of his tape. His, he's, first of all, have you looked at the dude's stats? I have a question for you. Is he yeah. a three? He's undersized, um, correct? He's about 6'5", which in today's game is a two. But mm-hmm. I'm not really, I'm not worried about that because it's like he can, the dude can jump out of the gym. So I don't really care about his position. Yeah. I, I literally care about his like lack of value on the court. When you're drafting a guy like that in the top 15, like his stats this year, he averaged seven. He only put up seven and a half field goals. He averaged 11 points per game, and he only he shot 45% from three, which is really good, but he only took one a game, so that's kind of weird to me. And it's partially because he is, is a really, he is a re- really slow release. It's not fluid. He can't really shoot off the dribble. He can't create his own shot. And basically, his entire highlights are dunks and put-back dunks especially. Yeah, he'll give you a highlight reel, but to take him over guys, in my opinion, like DiVincenzo, Trent, even Grayson Allen, like if we're talking shooting guards, I think is a crime to take him over them. And if the Nets trade up to get that dude at like 15 or wherever they wherever they go in the mid teens, I'm sorry, I'm really sorry. Yeah, um, I hope what you're saying is not true. If the Nets try and trade up for him, but I think if we trade up, he's not who we're gonna go after. Oh I yeah, think we'd I, I go agree. after someone along the lines of. Well, I guess it really depends. It depends where. I think Denver's open to trading their pick. Maybe I think I think there's I think the Clippers have two picks. Maybe, um, so there's definitely room for the Nets to move up. I love the Nets. I love what we've been doing recently. I'm very interested to see where it goes in the off season. All I want them to do is go out and get Miles Bridges. Mm-hmm. 
I think I think Denver's interesting because when I was doing I hate doing mock drafts, but I was kind of looking at like kind of where everyone's gonna fall come draft night and Denver like really they don't really need anyone, honestly. Like I feel like they need like veteran established pieces, not more like young guys. I, agree I feel with like that. I feel like they have enough young guys. So who what do you what yeah, do you want I fully what do you want the Nets to do? I'm I'm interested to hear this. Like your dream scenario is what? In terms of trading up, I don't really want to trade up, but if we do it, I understand why. Rondé Hollis Jefferson's a great piece mm-hmm. to trade. Also, Damari Carroll. We have a bunch of very good pieces um, to possibly let go. The one person I think who should not be touched, who shouldn't even be thought about of being traded is Karis LeVert. I think he's an unbelievable talent. I think he's going to be very good. I think he's currently the best player on the team. Michigan man. Uh, I love Karis LeVert. I -hmm. think he's great next to D'Angelo Russell. I think Spencer Dinwiddie needs to get traded. Really? There's too many cooks in the kitchen right now. I think that... Yeah, absolutely. Too many cooks in the kitchen, especially with Lynn, too. I know Kenny Atkinson loves Jeremy Lynn. It's like his Mm -hmm. child. But (laughs) he he really needs to leave. Uh, there's too many cooks. They need to let D'Angelo, especially in the contract year, let him just go out, let him ball, let him see what he really has, put Karras next to him. Jarrett's really developing at the center position. I think I really want us to get some sort of four, of, like someone who can shoot, which I guess sadly is kind of Kevin Knox. Yeah. But I really yeah. like Bridges. I think, yeah, I, I'm i trying to think of like a stretched four man in this draft that's like within your range. I like Bates Diop. I love Bates Diop. I love Bates Diop a lot. I think he was who I had the Nuggets picking because I was like, even though it's early. Really? Yeah, because like my thing with this whole mock draft stuff is I don't believe any of the stuff ESPN and NBA DraftNet and all those dudes put out. Like, I want to put like, if I'm the Nuggets, this is who's on the board. This is who I'm going to take. And like, I really think Bates Diop, like you, I feel like when you're the Nuggets, like you got to know what you're going to get out of someone. In the with the position you're in, I feel like you know what you're gonna get out of Bates Diop, and he kind of fits like you're put, not even tw- not tweener, but like positionless between the three four. You can stretch the floor. He's athletic, so I like him. I think he'd fit in the Nets too. I agree with that. Um, so moving on, I th- I think first of all, I think the Nets are not even in a bad situation. Honestly, it's not that bad of a time to be the Nets fan. Being Nets fan, I'm thinking about this right not now. Not at all. Future is bright. Future yeah. is bright. I love Sean Marks. I love being with the team. I think we have a real coach in Kenny Atkinson. He's great at developing players. Absolutely unbelievable. If you and, look at what Jared Allen did last year and how yeah. he grew throughout the entire season, what he did with even Karras that season, and, and how he – my favorite thing I have to say is how he got Damari Carroll back on his feet, who came from a rough situation in Toronto, mm-hmm. wasn't working out there, and he had a fantastic year. Yeah. I mean, finally – and you're finally moving on from that trade that we won't talk about because you're a Nets fan. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, I could go on for hours. <laughs> <laughs> so well, you're, this is the next scenario. You're picking at five, and you're looking for a big man, and Wendell Carter, Jaron Jackson, and Mo Bamba are all on the board. Who are you taking? I'm taking Jackson. Mm-hmm. Really? But... I think I am. The thing that Jackson that really 
stands out to me is his blocks. He's an incredible rim protector, mm-hmm. and I think at worst he can do that. At worst, he's just a great defender. He's a big boy. He's a big body. He's a lot yeah. thicker than I would say Bamba is. Mm-hmm. Even though Bamba puts his great shot blocker, he's a great rim protector. Um, I also do really like Wendell. He's a great three point shooter as well. The, what's great about all these bigs is now that they're coming out, all of them have a shot. Really, yeah, they there's really no do. like they really do. There's no like Jalil Okafor who's like this big post player. It's there's not the it's not what's happening anymore. All mm-hmm. these, I guess, centers or power forwards, whatever they are, are freak athletes, absolute freak athletes who can protect the rim and shoot. Um, but I really like Jackson. I think I was very up and down with him because he didn't really play that much, which That's, is a little weird. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that later. And, it I makes don't know no sense. Flag. It's a little bit bizarre how he didn't play a lot. Um, I watched a lot of Mo Bamba because I love Shaka Smart, so I like watching Texas. Shaka Smart's going to get fired soon, by the I way. Shaka's going to get fired soon. So that sucks. Yeah, real soon. And I love Shaka, which is very sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess we'll see what they'll do next year. But yeah, I think they should have been much better this year. They definitely should. Regardless, I like Bamba. Um, and I like Wendell, but I think that the best prospect, just because the things that he can do protecting the rim, he's a great rebounder and a good shooter, mm-hmm. is Jaron Jackson. The only thing that scares me is that he wasn't really playing a lot. Yeah. Minutes. I mean, I that's really like, know why it doesn't me, make any sense to me. To me, it makes no sense. Like, you're a top three draft prospect. Why aren't you on the floor? I'll talk about it later. But for me, that's why I'm taking Carter. I feel like the only impressive thing that came out of Duke playing a two three was just Wendell Carter just holding it down, absolutely holding it down the entire year. Is that not a red flag that they had to play a two three, or is that more of just um, a bad? I, th- I think it's. I think it's a red flag for dudes like Gary Trent. Not even a red flag. I think it just raises more questions for dudes like Gary Trent. Honestly, not for Wendell. They don't really do that. That's not okay. Yeah, no, that's and no, that's not for Wendell. But maybe for Bagley and Trent. I I have a vision for Bagley that I'm not sure too many people share, and I was gonna say it at the end, but now that we're talking about him, I'll just try to explain it. I feel like Bagley has yeah. the chance. And I think it could happen. I really do. This is what I think is going to happen with him, If he, especially if he goes to the Kings. I feel like he's going to develop into, like, not KD because he can't handle the ball like KD, but that type of just, like, versatile, unguardable offensive talent. That's very interesting. Because I look very. at him and I look like his shot is fluid with more reps. It's only going to get better. He's a freak athlete. He's, he's such good touch around the rim. And he runs the floor better than anyone. I feel like he's just going to be just such a good offensive prospect in transition I've, on the wing. I feel like he's going to end up playing most of his time on the wing. He's most, I really? mean, actually, no, I feel like he's just going to be all over the place is really what I'm trying to say. I feel like he's your ultimate pick and pop, uh-huh. pick and roll, pick Like he can do anything off the pick and roll. So to, I mean, him and De'Aaron Fox in a pick and roll was scary to me with Buddy Heald on the wing for a kick out. Like, not that I think Doncic is doing. And my boy Bogdanovich. Yeah, Bogdanovich, great year. Um, and I mean, like, great year. not that Doncic is doing them favors by not liking them, but I just like Bagley fits better there. Honestly, you have guys who need the ball in their hands in Fox and Buddy. So to have Doncic as like your primary playmaker is tough because I think 
he'll thrive in a system where he's the guy, which I'm not sure he would be in the Kings. Mm-hmm. But I think if Bagley goes to Sacramento, he's going to be like at one point in the league, at a point in time, at his peak of his career, like one of the best offensive players in the league. Well, it's very interesting. I think he wins Rookie of the Year. Bagley, that's going to be I interesting. I don't know if he's going to wind up the best, but Bagley wins Rookie of the Year. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Also, race. depending on where everybody goes. Yeah, I think if Trey goes to like Cleveland or Chicago or even Orlando, like if, I feel like if Trey goes to Orlando, he's just going to take like eight or like eight threes a game and put up like twenty, and with like eight assists, seven or eight yeah. assists. I think that could happen. But yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on, I'm taking Wendell Carter because. He he just held down that zone. He has the post-up game. He spaces it all the way out to the three. He can shoot free throws. Like, to me, he's just the most complete of the three. And, like, the hardest thing for me when I'm, like, evaluating draft stuff is balancing the floor with the ceiling. And, yeah, Jackson and Bamba have really high ceilings, but their floor is just kind of non-existent almost. I wouldn't bet that you're going to get anything out of them because you never really know. But Wendell, I feel like he'll come in right away. He'll have an impact and he'll just have a great long career in the NBA. Yeah, I I really like all these big men. A lot of these, I guess there's five of them, right? I think all five of them are tons and tons of potential. And I think it's also very hard for all of them to, I guess, bust because... They all have their floor is also high. I don't know. I think Jackson could bust. I really do. Really? He's my boomer bust guy. I was going to ask you, who's your one like major boomer bust guy in the draft? Not talking about injury. So no Michael Porter. No Michael Porter. I think it's not. Oh, that's what I was going to say. But I don't even think it's because of injury that he's there. But it's fine. I, there's other people. Okay. Wait, no, I'm <sighs> yeah, curious. It could be curious. Jackson. Wait, explain, explain the Michael Porter thing now. Now I'm curious. Like, barring injury. Because because I get the whole injury thing. I love him. I think he's great. I think he is a freak athlete. The only thing that I saw in a very limited sample size, and I guess on YouTube, because I guess it's the only way you can watch him, is his dribbling. He's not like a great, what I would call, I don't know how to describe this, because it's not like he can't create his own shot, but it's his... I guess ball handling skills that I don't love. Mm-hmm. I see. So what that. position is he playing? Um, is he playing the three? Is he playing the four? I think he's. Does he need to do that? I don't even look at positions anymore, honestly. Like in today's basketball, I feel like he's your ultimate mismatch. I've watched. But it's not. Posi- it's more of like is he handling the ball? Is yeah. he coming yeah, off no, the ball? I, what is he doing? Playing post more of that. Um, is what I'm saying. I feel like I don't think he would handle the ball as much as KD does. Like, even at the peak mm-hmm. of his career, I don't think he handles the ball like that. I think he runs more ISO. I don't think he runs off a lot of ball screens. I think he gets into his spots and kills you from there. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, interesting. I love him. I think he's going to be really good, but I think he definitely has the potential to bust. If you were to lean one way or the other, boom or bust. Boom. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Because my guy for this is Jaron Jackson. And the 20 minute, like the 19 and a half minutes per game, like that's not even more than half of the game. I, I don't get it. 
And he, and it wasn't even like crunch time. Like he didn't play in the crunch time against Michigan in the Big Ten tournament. He didn't play in the crunch time against Syracuse. Like he should be your zone buster. He got into foul trouble. I know. That's I also agree. that's I think also he's the thing. In that zone against Syracuse. That's also the thing, though. He he was he was always in foul trouble. Like always in yeah, foul always. trouble. So like the foul trouble combined with him, like I don't get it. How is he not in the middle of that zone? He's the Zone buster. I don't get that. That's that's a uh, that's an Izzo thing that I don't understand. I was sitting there on my couch watching that game, and I was like, I don't understand how they're letting this happen. Like they're they're letting them go away with this game. I know, but you throw him right in the middle of that zone. He can catch. He can shoot it right there. He can pass over the top. I don't I don't understand why he wasn't there, in the game. He was in the he was in the middle of the zone a couple possessions, and one time he caught the ball there, and he looked like a deer in headlights, and kind of just ch- ch- chucked up a mid range shot because it like felt like it was as he was supposed to do and it was so ugly and so there are a bunch of coaches like watching enough basketball as i do that i'm like okay i trust that this dude is doing whatever is best for his team and tom Izzo is one of those dudes uh-huh. so it's hard for me to sit there and be like damn Izzo pissed that game away like what was he doing with jaron jackson when he really hasn't even played him that much all year so for me it's like you're a top three prospect. You're supposed to be making, you're supposed to be an impact guy. You're supposed to be helping your team win, not on the bench. And so that's just my thing with him. I don't get it. It's such a red flag to me. Uh, Yeah, that was the one thing that stood out to me is that he didn't really play a lot. Yeah. But when he was in the game, I mean, I saw him absolutely swallow some of these balls that were trying to go in the hoop. I oh, mean, yeah. he absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think he's an incredible defender, and he can shoot. He can shoot. He can shoot. He's also a, like, he's a physical beast. He's an absolute specimen. Yeah. That's like 6'11", maybe 7 foot. What's he weighing? Like, 240 is what they have him. See, that's the thing I do like about Jackson compared to Bamba, because I think Jackson is, like, built for the league rather than Bamba's just a stick whose guy thing is going to get pushed around. Exactly. I've seen it happen so many times. Bamba needs to put on weight. Not to mention Bamba, like... Send in to 2K weight camp. Yeah, they do. I mean, we'll, we'll need to do that for about three to four years for him to be, like, legit. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I would never take Bamba if my life depended on it in the, in the top five. There's zero chance. The Bamba thing that really was crazy was... He ran, like, the three-quarter court sprint. I know, dude. You Did don't... you see that? See, this, this is what happens. Like... I literally will have these like hot takes in my school and that everyone knows like I have these positions like anything like anti KD someone will run to run to me with it anything anti Bamba something someone will run to me with it anything Michael Porter injury some and Michael Porter falling out of the lottery someone will text it to me like these things like dude I've heard that from about four different people he ran three quarter sprint faster than John Wall how you not love this dude I'm like because I've seen him play and that three-quarter sprint doesn't make him good in college. How is it going to affect him in the NBA? I don't understand. Like, he's, yeah, he's so fast and he's unbelievable strides, but that didn't even make him better in college. It didn't make him dominant in college. Like, he didn't just get that fast. He's been that fast. Correct. I'm not disagreeing with that. I just think. Oh, no, no, no. Sign. I oh, mean, yeah, the no. Dude can rebound. The dude can play defense. The dude can. I think he's an incredible rebounder. He's a great defender. The offense was there. It wasn't. Is, it's, it's it wasn't bad. like so. It was pretty. It was pretty that bad. I was like. 
he doesn't have a go-to move. That's the thing that kind of scares yeah. me. I, I, like, if he gets yeah. the ball in the low post, he doesn't have, like, that go-to move where he's like, all right, let me get this bucket. Yeah, no, that's that's completely true. Completely true. So, are you high on Bamba? Not as high as I used to be. So, who would you draft him I over? like him, but I would take... I would not take him over Wendell. I like Wendell better. So at what point are you just going to like, and you're like, at what number? And you're like, okay, Mo Bamba fell to me. Like, I can't pass up on him at this point. Like, what number is that for you? Depends on the team. I Like, the Bulls, maybe? Seven? Yeah. I get that. I feel like the funniest thing is that, like, Put him next to Laurie Markkinen. I would love for the Cavs to take Who him. Love. Just because I think it'd be so funny if LeBron did stay. And then they take Mo Bamba, and he's just, like, another one of their centers who have no business, like, playing the amount of minutes that they do. And they'll just rotate him and Tristan mm-hmm. and have, like, the least, <laughs> the, like, least offensively skilled front court in the entire, like, league. I think it'd be so funny. But I don't think he gets past them in the day and age we live in. But I think, and this is what I was thinking about. I was scrolling on Twitter today, and someone was talking about, how, like, how the hell did Thomas Robinson be- get it, become a top five pick? And someone replied and was like, well, it was different times back then. Like, Thomas Robinson was like a 6'9", 6'8", power forward who was a junior coming out of college. Like, that would never happen in today's NBA. So I think this, and I kind of had this, like, epiphany. Like, I think Bamba is going to get drafted in the top five. And we'll look back on that in, like, seven or eight years and be like, how did Mo Bamba get drafted in the top five? And someone be like, well, like, those were the times when you were... They think he's Capella. Yeah, no, and it was like, those were the times. If you had a nine-foot wingspan... And you were ran a three quarter sprint faster than John Wall. We draft you in the top five, no matter your offensive, your on skill production, on court production. Mm-hmm. And we'll like get out of this phase a little bit, and I think he'll be like that guy to like. Okay, we should really look at these dudes like production rather than just like their tools. I don't disagree with that. I think he uh, he could definitely. He could bust, but I mean, worst case scenario, he's like a defender. Yeah. He's, he's a rim protector. Yeah. I, I agree with that, but I feel like that's that like would be a little bit more comforting to me if I was taking him at 10, 12, 10, 11, and 12, not 3, 4, 5. Like 3, 4, 5, you need a superstar. You're looking for a dude who's going to like change the course of your franchise in the top five, especially in this draft. You can't afford to like have him be a defender. Right? Yeah, no, not that high. You're not drafting a glorified Nerlens Noel. Yeah, exactly. To... Exactly. Uh, Nor- and three, four, five. Is, and Nerlens is a bad teammate, according to Eric Jr. So uh, there's that about Nerlens. <laughs> oh, wait, I caught, I caught you late. Now we're like past the BC news because he got fired. But you, what? What was your like initial reaction to him getting fired? Because you had known about this for about two days before he actually did get fired. Yeah, I uh, I was kind of waiting. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is definitely going to come out soon. But I thought everybody <laughs> kind of knew. All right, yeah, everyone. It, get fired. it, it wasn't like, like groundbreaking news, but that still, was weird. When, when, like there was like KD, there was KD's like in not Instagram. There was KD's Twitter thing where everyone was like, all right, like that dude's like, that's a little bit off. That's like definitely not cool. <laughs> but then there's what Colangelo did, or I guess allegedly his wife did. Um, allegedly. Allegedly. That is just 
mind-boggling. I mean, he he said Jalil. Um, he said Jalil failed a physical. Like you he just threw that out on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest thing, the funniest one of the funniest parts of the whole thing was like Zach Lowe is talking. He's like, I need to check my mentions now because like. This is what happens when we don't check our mentions. We have this news that Julia Okafor <laughs> failed a physical just sitting there, and, like, we have no idea that it happened. Right. So, I thought that yeah, was funny. Absolutely. Do you think his wife did it? Is the- I can only pray the message about that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Do you think his wife did it? I have a hard time thinking that his wife did it and he didn't know about it yeah if that's really what happened that's 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 what i like hung my hat on and moved on from this on where it's like fine you can tell me his wife did it but you can't tell me he didn't know about it yeah exactly so that was a crazy story one last which is also i think yeah yeah go ahead i just jump in yeah 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 because I think that the whole Colangelo thing has a lot of LeBron traction mm-hmm. because of this. I think LeBron and the Colangelos used to have a lot of beef over USA, USA basketball, basketball when LeBron decided not to play. Yeah. Um, and so there was kind of a lot of beef there. Now with Brian Colangelo going, there's a GM spot open. Mm-hmm. You know who needs a job. Yeah. Yeah. Are you buying that? David Are you buying that? No. Mm-hmm. I'm not buying it, but I think it's definitely something interesting to look at. But I think the better thing is that I know LeBron did not or does not really like the Colangelo family because they definitely took shots at him when he didn't play. Mm-hmm. So I think it's better for him, but I, I still don't think LeBron goes there. That's fair. I don't think he I, wants to be with Embiid. I don't, I don't know how him and Simmons play together. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. There's one thing where it's like Houston, where they're like, everyone was making the jokes, like there can't be two balls to play with, yeah. with like Harden and cp3 but at least one of them could play off the ball and shoot but when lebron has the ball what is ben simmons no, doing? that's like, what do you do yeah, that's do you what that's what up? i told sam I mean, i'm gonna ask you this question this is like the question that i've been asking everyone because i told sam i was like if lebron goes there what's ben simmons value the dude can't spot up and shoot like cp3 can or harden can he can't do anything without the ball in his hands like what's what's his value he literally cannot do anything without the ball in his hands i think you throw him in the post and LeBron passed him in the post, and then you have to let Simmons operate out of the post there. Yeah, I like that. I don't know. I like that. Okay. Hypothetical situation. LeBron does go to Philly, and they take mm-hmm. they take Miles Bridges with the 10th pick. So they, they're starting, and they re-signed, and they re-signed J.J. Redick. I don't know if the cap works out like that, but let's just say it does. For, for the I don't sake. think it does, but yeah. For the sake of this question. Actually, fine. Let's, J.J. leaves because they need cap. Um, you have LeBron and and B, Simmons, your top and Miles Bridges, and then like T.J. McConnell against a healthy Celtics team: Kyrie, Brown, Tatum, Horford, um, Hayward, and then Rozier, Morris, Semi, all those dudes off the bench. Who wins in that series? Very interesting. I think the Sixers win. I, really? I can't see LeBron losing. Really? But I do. I think in that situation, the Sixers would do some sort of like positionless basketball where they literally switch. Not that, which is my least favorite thing in the entire NBA, oh. how everybody just switches everything. Mm-hmm. And everyone just, it's, it's, talk to read about it. Mm-hmm. It is my least favorite thing. Yeah. 
just no coaching, just switch everything. But it would be cool to do that with LeBron and Simmons and Covington, and then you have Embiid there. It's a crazy defensive team. Mm-hmm. That is, yeah, that is. It's hard. It'd be hard to score against those dudes. Definitely would not be easy. Hard to score against them, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I love what Boston's doing. I'm interested to see how it works next year. Mm-hmm. Tatum is probably the best player on the team, or will wind up being the best player yeah. on the team. Yeah. I love Tatum. Tatum's, I think he's Tatum's really good. Kyrie is still really good. People, people forget Kyrie's. Yeah, Kyrie's, Kyrie's, Kyrie's incredible. Kyrie's unbelievable. And it, Kyrie fits so well in that system because Brad loves to run. I mean, as you can see, the point guard is mm-hmm. the focal point of that system. Yeah. yeah. With what Rozier did. Yeah. But, I don't know. That would be a... I think that series definitely goes to seven. That would be a lot of fun. So, you are... You're the Bill Simmons guy. Like, that's that's your guy, right? Yeah, that's so, my guy. I thought it was so interesting to hear Oakley talk about how he hates team switching. Yeah, I was so happy. I thought that podcast was unbelievable, hearing the stories from Charles Oakley. Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. Bill said it was one of his favorite podcasts. I loved it. It was so entertaining. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole switching thing, it really, really, really gets on my nerves. Just, they're I, just they, they switch everything. And then I, I understand that, like, coincidentally, they actually wound up having good defensive numbers against this, but every single time LeBron wanted to, he could get Steph to switch on him and, and get back him down. Yeah, like, I mean, every single time. I, I was saying this throughout the Houston Golden State series. Like, if Kevin, if Looney switches on to James Harden, it's a defensive breakdown. I don't care what the end result is. Like, I don't know when that became a thing. Correct. Like, switching for me, I had always thought is like your last resort. You can't get through. He can't hedge. Like, okay, fine, switch it, and we'll rotate. I think the only team fit to switch everything in in the playoffs this year, which when we really saw it, is the Celtics. And they did a great job of, mm-hmm. like, rotating the bigger guy into the post and double-teaming and talking. But, like, Cleveland switching Kevin Love onto Steph Curry and George Hill onto KD, like, that's just a joke. An absolute joke. It's just, it, it's a lack of effort. Mm-hmm. It is. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's what Oakley was saying. Dudes don't want to move around on defense. Like, that's all it is. Absolutely. And then one last thing before you go. Do you have any draft mm-hmm. hot takes or free agency hot takes? Both of them. Do you have anything before we go? Any hot takes? Let me yeah. think about this for a second because, I mean, with the draft, there's so many mm-hmm. windows. I do think the most interesting thing is the Celtics, most interesting team top to bottom just because of their assets and they kind of have so many people there. Mm-hmm. I think people say that they, they should trade Rozier. I disagree. I think that contract is almost too valuable to trade Yeah, because of how good he is. They still have him for like another two years, I believe. Yeah. I th- Maybe even three, but I think it's two. Rozier is really good at like what his role is supposed to be. Like that dude is supposed to be a six man coming off the bench as a spark plug. Like, he's not supposed to be the starting point guard of a championship team. So I think when Kyrie gets back he, and he plays his correct role, I think he could win six man of the year next year. No doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Although, who's going to start? Is, uh, is Tatum going to start? Yeah, you can't. Bill Simmons' third son, Jason. You can't, you can't play around with Tatum. You can't do that. You not, especially not after, like, game seven and the whole playoffs. So what's your starting lineup? I I like playing Horford at the five. I think Horford at the five is like a. I loved Horford at the five, even if it meant like playing Marcus Smart. And now that it means like playing Gordon Hayward, I really love Horford at the five. 
Um, I think that's a lot of chefs. Mm -hmm. And I think Gordon Hayward is probably... I think Jalen Brown takes the first backseat. I think one of them would just benefit so much by coming and i think that'd be jalen brown honestly if it it, and i think that's a likely possibility i don't think you mess around with tatum Mm -hmm. i think you do i think if you start Kyrie, tatum hayward horford and then like marcus smart to give yourself like some toughness in that starting five identity i don't mind that and then have jalen brown and just dominate when he comes in off the bench with kind of like not the second unit but when the stars kind of get subbed out I respect that and like that. Mm-hmm. Either one, that team is crazy talented. I can't wait to watch them play healthy next year. Yeah, absolutely. So you asked for any hot takes. Yeah. I uh I think that I have two hot takes. They kind of both they both revolve around uh draft slash free agency. They kinda coincide with each other. I think that uh the Mavericks wind up with both Trey Young and Demarcus Cousins. Hmm. What do they do with Dennis? They move Dennis to get Trey or to get Cousins. I I think that you play both Dennis and Trey. Oh, that's interesting. I think that they've been looking for this. They've been looking for the star power for so long. It's all Cuban wants is someone to like. They have to merge the Dirk era with this new era, and mm-hmm. I love Dennis too. But I think you have Dennis. Trey Boog, it's exactly what he's looking for. Because they can offer so much money to Demarcus, which is realistically we all know what he wants. Yeah, that's what he wants. You're coming off a horrible, horrible injury. Mm-hmm. You need to, he needs to take all the money yeah, he needs to get in because you have no idea what he's gonna be like next year. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I know Cuban would love a star like him and the box office appeal from Cousins and from Trey Young, I think. To, they're not going to be able to pass up. You think Dennis and Trey can play off each other? Yeah, I think they actually can. I think that'd be like one of the most interesting backcourts. Because I think Trey, like, there. I think Trey is better. And honestly, I still don't, I still really don't like the Knicks for passing up on um, Dennis Smith for Nitalikina. But I, I, I can't get mm-hmm. around it that Dennis Smith is just the next Russell Westbrook. And that is what it is. Like, that's just a fact. Like, that's his ceiling, I think, is where Russ is now. And I don't even think he gets there, but, like, mm-hmm. that's his player type. I don't know if Trey could function like that, like, off the ball like that. I think I don't think it'd be good for them. I think Trey would be great off the ball like I that. Think Trey, no? I, th- I don't think he would be good for them because Dennis can't handle that. Like, I think Trey is at his best coming off pick and rolls, making reads, and Dennis gives you no value off the ball. He can't catch and shoot and space the floor. I think that'd be interesting, and I'd love to see it. But if I'm the Mavs... I think it comes more interesting if, if Dennis is the primary ball handler and Trey comes off the ball. I think I think that's the only way it works. I think that's the only way it works. Yeah. Because Dennis... That makes sense, I guess. That'd be interesting. Those So those are both... Fair. Those are both yours? So I'm... Uh, yeah, how about you? I would love to hear a hot take from your no, end. I'm the expert. The draft... The draft is just so crazy because it's like... I really think this year's draft is... Like, everyone says it's top-heavy. I've been saying it's top-heavy. But, like, I think it's so interesting because it's what happens when these top, like, top-tier recruits, talented guys, and they go to Duke, and they can't show what they can do, and they go to Kentucky, and they can't show what they can do, and then they fall to, like, 25 through 40. Like, I think this draft is, like, really talented, 1 through 10, 11. Then it takes a gap from, like, 11 to 25, 
despite dudes like DiVincenzo. I really like Kevin Herter and like those dudes. And then I feel like you have guys. I do not like Kevin Herter. You don't like Herter? I can go on for Kevin. I can go on and on. I can go on and on about Herter. Yeah, he can shoot. He's great. He is an absolute liability with the ball in his hand, though. That's fair. I think he's a catch. I think he's a can shoot athletic three point shooter. Nothing more. Nothing crazy. Nothing more. Nothing um, more than a three point shooter. Anyways, and then you get guys like. Anyways. I love Jalen Brunson. Like, I, I absolutely love Jalen Brunson. I think he's so good. I love when Jalen Brunson goes bully ball and plays in the post. Who else? My favorite thing. Who else gets doubled in the post when you're six two? No one. Like literally, no one. <laughs> and it doesn't exist. So I think, like, I think this is a draft where like the rich are gonna get richer. Like I think the a team like the Warriors is gonna steal dude like Grayson Allen or Brunson and just like elevate the team's culture. And I think teams that are in the middle of the pack, like the Wizards, are gonna take a dude like, and the Clippers are gonna take a guy like Lonnie Walker. And it's going to be the same cycle. So I don't, I don't really necessarily have like mm-hmm. one hot take for you, but it's just like, I would just tell you like the Wizards have no future. The, the Clippers have no future. It's nope. just like those teams I would hate to be a fan of. I think the Knicks are in a good spot. I think they have a chance to really make a splash and get a dude who can like elevate the franchise. I don't want them to sign Moutier again. And I want them to move Trey Burke to six man. So if I had one hot take for you, like right now, draft wise, I would say that the dude from IMG Simons doesn't make it out of the G League in the next two years. Oh, that's very interesting. And if he does make it to the NBA, it's like, remember that game when it was like the Suns and the Grizzlies last game of the year, and like nobody knew who the hell was starting for yeah. those teams. Like, I think if he makes it to the NBA mm-hmm. and, like, place value of minutes, it'll be, like, in that context. He'll ne- I don't, I really don't think. That is very funny. That's, like, that's my one thing that I'm, like, really, really confident about. Him just being a non-factor, uh-huh. him being a non-factor in the NBA for the next two, three years. That's, that's what I'd hang my hat on. Yeah, that's one guy that I can safely say I don't know enough about to comment on. I, uh, he's coming out of high school. Uh, it's a weird, weird situation. Yeah. Weird situation. Dude, definitely need to go to college, but who am I to tell him that he'll probably get drafted in the first round by some team that doesn't really know what they're doing. Anyways, it was great to have you on. Really appreciate it. It was great being on. And whenever you want me back, I'm here. Of course. Of course. I was telling, I was telling Sam, there aren't a lot of basketball dudes in Maryland. And this ringer Mm -hmm. over the phone thing is great. And, Definitely look forward to having you on in the future. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jake. Absolutely. Pleasure to be here. Thank you, Jake.